welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Quiz Wizard, Chuck Bailey. Chuck, it's just me and you this week, huh? Yeah, just us, just the best two, the ones that you all want to hear in your earballs, the most entertaining, most youthful, exuberant, and beautiful ones. <laughs> yes, insofar as they are able to hear us this week, because with Ian out, I will be doing the editing, and obviously I am nowhere near the level of him, so if this sounds like absolute shit, it'll be a short episode anyway, so uh, just hang in there. You won't have to put up for it for long. Yeah, exactly. Chuck! We'll talk about the actual soccer of it later, but you went to a fucking match this week. Tell me about it. What was it like being in the stadium? You went, you saw Palace. I want to hear all about that. Oh, it's been like two years, you know, because I hadn't been for a little while even before COVID. Um, I went to a preseason game. Like I drove to the stadium, parked on like a residential street near kind of where me and my dad used to park when I was a kid. I had the same walk. You walk into the grounds, you got people pissed up at like one o'clock in the afternoon singing songs you've got kids going for their first game you've got away fans coming up the road you walk through the residential streets you see the the, the stanchion of the floodlights popping out above a house ah oh, it was it was emotional it was beautiful I, w- I was in the stadium like an hour before and I just sat in my seat just existing uh, they had the end of the Liverpool Burnley game on the big screen. Oh, that's I was nice. sat next to someone who, I was sat next to someone who actually knew what they were talking about when it came to football and like analysing the game. Ah, oh, it was a lovely, lovely experience. Great to be back. Um, football, ah, oh, beautiful, beautiful times. Uh, did you feel weird at all being in a crowd? The first time we went out and were like in an actual crowded space, even though it was outdoors, I felt at least mildly uncomfortable the whole time. At least I was very aware of it. Um, Did that prevent you from having fun the other day? Or were you just like in the moment, like in the fucking stadium, carried away by the magic of like match day? Yeah, I don't think I... It's not that I'm against it or or want everyone to be back to normal, and I understand. But I just think because throughout the whole pandemic, working in hospitality, I was used to seeing people and being around people a lot and crowds and those kind of things. It hasn't really been an effect too much for me. Um, plus, you know, it, it is open um, through the concourses and stuff. People are keeping their distance. I was in earlier, so it wasn't, you know, the queues that I have seen um, that were going down the street, uh, you know, waiting for people to get into the game and COVID checks and whatever. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was smart getting there early. Exactly. Don't want to be stuck in it. People were getting in like 15 minutes later and that's mad, but... No, I, di- I didn't feel too bad personally. Um, the ground wasn't full, and I don't think I've really seen any stadiums that have been full. Um, just seats dotted around, be that because there aren't as many people taking up season tickets. Um, I think it's a big outlay in one go for a lot of people this year um, with the COVID of it all and also some people feeling safe. And, you know, unfortunately, some of the people who maybe did have season tickets before then passing away. Um, which we've seen at a lot of clubs and a lot of them have been uh, giving minute silences and minutes applauses for those that have been lost throughout the pandemic um, because some clubs didn't even have fans towards the end of last season, I don't think. You know, I think the clubs have done a lot of work to make the stadium safer and, and try to control that. And I think people are more conscious about what they do and, and who they hang out with and how things go. Um but, you know, hopefully long may it continue to, to get him back that sort of 
semblance of normal life where you can go to those things and uh, it, it was just incredible actually going to a game again um, and I'm sure anyone listening that has had the opportunity so far to go and see any team um, I mean you know Man City tickets are available on general release if you ever want to go so you don't even need to be a member or anything <laughs> Oh, well, that's good to hear, man. That makes me really happy because you fucking deserve a good day out. And like, it's magical. And that's pretty cool. Um, Thanks, brother. But yeah, let's uh, let's get moving then. If you are joining us for the first time, thank you. We are very happy to have you. We are normally two Brits and one American, and we try to talk about the Premier League, but often get distracted. Uh, And we like to kick things off around here with our very popular segment. Rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. Our top story this evening, we're going to check in on Posh Island because Peterborough and Cardiff City have been charged by the Football Association for a melee during their 2-2 championship draw on Tuesday. A foul by Cardiff's Marlon Pack in the 43rd minute sparked a shoving match, with Pack and Bluebird's teammate Aiden Flint being booked. The clubs allegedly failed to ensure their players conducted themselves in an orderly fashion. Just sounds like a Tuesday night out in Peterborough to me. I don't know. What do you think, Chuck? Yeah, Pete, Ian actually got involved in scuffles outside the ground. That's why he can't be with us this week. He is on remand, uh, potentially being charged with a fray. Um, yeah, what a typical week that he doesn't show up and we've actually got something entertaining about his team, you know. They, they've, yeah. uh, they, they've earned some points. They're having a fight. They're up to the dizzying heights of 17th in the league. Um, a whole two points off of relegation. They were fourth at one point when they were winning against Cardiff. Um, but, you know, they they scored a couple of injury time goals uh, last week against Derby and they were victim of them this week um, to kind of drop them down the table. Um, why are we talking this much about Peterborough? Wow, uh, we've changed. Yeah, I was browsing the BBC football like news stories and i saw their name and i was like oh anytime they're on the front page like we have to include them and it was for violence we love violence violence is great on the pitch not off the pitch um yeah that well to a limit uh speaking of actually (laughs) violence on the pitch that is a perfect transition to our next story because galatasaray's marcal was red carded after headbutting and punching his own teammate on monday the brazilian defender was dismissed just after the hour mark of gala's 2-0 win over Garunza Spore after losing it with winger Mohamed Karim Akturkoglu. When was the last time you punched a uh, teammate and headbutted a teammate, Chuck? Uh, is that why Ian is out? Did you head, did you headbutt Ian? <laughs> yeah, I was also outside Cardiff and Peterborough and thought Ian was out of line, um, but they haven't caught me yet. I don't think... Have I ever headbutted a teammate? No... Not to my knowledge. Um, I'm surprised when you when you dropped this story in there. I thought maybe Patrick Van Arnholt was involved and um, probably would have headbutted him for not defending because um, he's at Galatasaray <laughs> now. But what an absolute madness! We haven't seen this since um, like you know Lee Bowyer and Kieran Dyer both playing for for Newcastle back in the day uh, in the early two thousands. It must have been who started fighting each other and then both got sent off uh, in the most confusing manner. So yeah, what. I wonder what can lead you. Yeah, teammates usually save it for practice when they're going to get in fights, whether that be at Chelsea or at Spurs or Arsenal, notably in the last few, recent few years. Uh, mm. There's been some fracas at the uh, at the training grounds and whatnot. I think it's City, too, with the season they were filming. All or nothing, I might be mistaken on that one. But Maybe. on the pitch, man, that's just like putting your dirty laundry out for everybody. Oh, my God. I know this is completely unrelated, but I totally forgot they're filming Arsenal all or nothing this season. 
No, they're not. Get out. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yes. Oh, oh I can't wait to Adam. see the Lukaku episode. Woo! <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna put a disclaimer in at the beginning of this podcast. I might do it uh, in in the post, but um, saying be careful, Adam. No, I'm just kidding. We won't be that harsh. Um, maybe. Um, we'll see. Yeah, they they're filming uh, an Arsenal Amazon documentary. This man, year. how the fuck do Spurs and Arsenal get on that before Chelsea do? Bias, bias, classic anti-Chelsea London bias, I say. <laughs> no comment from Check on that. All right, uh, let's keep no moving. Comment. They probably, to be honest, if there's a club that doesn't want to invite all the cameras in to, to potentially spying on stuff, maybe. Yeah. You we know. do have a, a potentially money laundering Russian oligarch as our owner, but he does love the club. So, you know, who knows? I'm going to probably cut that comment out anyway. <laughs> maybe, but it's out there. Maybe. Yeah, just put it out there. All right, let's move on then. Let's keep going. Uh, just a quick check-in on Gary Cahill. Club favorite Gary Cahill played for Chelsea, played for Palace. Bournemouth have completed the signing of former England centre-back Gary Cahill on a one-year deal. Cahill, 35, joins the Terries on a Cherries on a free transfer after coming to the end of his contract with Palace at the end of last season. Hmm. So we were wondering about where he might go for retirement. Seems like he's going down to the championship uh, for a little bit, but it's only a one-year contract, so plenty of time to end up at Inter-Miami somewhere down the line. <laughs> It is a total Bournemouth signing, and um, they will enjoy paying him if he's gone on a free for probably about 90 grand a week in the championship. So enjoy that, because he wouldn't take a pay cut to stay at Palace. <laughs> well, he's still got it, man. He's still pretty good. I mean, he was, he got missed quite a lot of time through injury for you guys last year, but when he was playing, he was good, I think. Right? How do you feel about losing him? Uh, fine. Um you, you know, after watching Mark Gerhi and uh, Joachim Anderson play together this week, I'm like, Gary who? Mamadou who? Like, uh, totally got over it. And um, Cahill was never the same, really, after his hamstring exploded against Chelsea um, in that mm. game where literally he was running and he just fell in midair um, and, and, and just and just went down. And he, he, it took a long time. I mean, fair enough to recover from that at 36, I believe, 35 um is is quite good but part of the rebuild for palace there were certain players that were being offered contracts um andros townsend was one and gary cahill was another that would have been on reduced terms and they wouldn't take it and so fair enough to the club they they knew that at some point they needed to move on those were the two people that probably would have been the most influential with young players coming in but say la vie as it were you know, you offload a 35-year-old, that's never necessarily, or that's usually not a bad decision, so. But shout out to him, still getting a contract, still playing at pretty high level over in England, didn't have to move abroad, so that's nice. Um, speaking of at a high level, ooh, my transitions are on point this week with the Ian out here. Um, the shortlist for UEFA Men's Player of the Year was released recently, um, Ched Chelsea midfielders Jorginho and N'Golo Kante and Manchester City's Kevin De Bruyne make up the three-man shortlist for UEFA Men's Player of the Year. Chelsea's Emma Hayes is on the shortlist for the Women's Coach of the Year, along with ex-Barcelona boss Luis Cortez and Sweden's Peter Gerhardsen. And then the Men's Coach of the Year nominees are Pep, Tommy Tactics, and Roberto Mancini. Chuck, of those three, who would you pick to be Player of the Year for last year? Hang on, so it's only those three? That's it? That's the list? That's the list. Yep, Jorginho, Conte, and De Bruyne. Two out of the three Men's Player of the Year's nominees play in Chelsea's midfield. That feels pretty good, I'm not going to lie, but uh, who would you give it to out of those three? 
I mean, I would give it based on the last year, it's Kante. But, I mean, Jorginho's going to get it, but I don't want him to get it because I don't think he's the best player. But he won the Champions League and the Euros, so... And then, like, instrumental in that Euros uh, chip Yeah, but he did have his... He was the heart of that Italy team to a certain extent. Yeah, but Jordan Pickford saved his penalty, didn't he, so... True, fair enough, yeah. So that should disqualify him. Couldn't get the rave on, so... I mean, I would Kante. It's, it's strange. I mean, De Bruyne is obviously amazing, but he missed so much of the last year with injury. Yeah, I think it's weird that he made the cut there. Like, NG and Jorginho, like, I get why. Jorginho, like I said, or like you said, and I agree with you, isn't probably one of the three best players, but with his trophies and the teams he was involved in, fine. NG is just the best midfielder in the world, and he was, like, absolute lights out throughout that Champions League campaign, fine. Hmm. But KDB, like, to, for KDB to get a, a, a head in there over like Lewandowski or Messi, for example, is a bit crazy to me. Um, so no consideration for KDB then? I, I mean, I can't deny he's not a great player, but I just don't think for me he, he played anywhere near enough last year um, to, to warrant it really, that it's not necessarily based on previous. I mean, to get to that shortlist, it's it's all coach votes and other kind of things. So it can be potentially a bit of a um, popularity contest. But I mean... You know, I, I I would want Kante to win it, but I think Jorginho wins it. I'm exactly on the same page as you there. Um, and then as far as the coach, the men's coach, uh, I mean, you got to give it to Tommy Tactics. He triple defeated Guardioli at the end of the season last year. Like, he has mm. Pep's number. Got to be Tommy Tactics here, right? Or is it Italy boss Mancini? Or do you still give it to Pep for being, you know, Pep? Um, uh, Mancini's done a lot with that Italy side, like that Italy team was bad. Um, like not long ago, I mean, didn't qualify for the last world cup. World cup. You know? Yeah. And then the one before yeah. knocked out in the group stages with England. Um, you know, so that you can't knock the work he's done there. And over a consistent period, what was it like nearly 40 games in a row wins? Something ridiculous like that. Uh, I cannot say that I've kept up with international you did the Euros, since but- pretty much the last world cup. So, but yeah, it was it was close to forty games in a row, um, and wow. uh, Tuchel. You know, as much as I say about De Bruyne missing out most of the season, Tuchel only coming in in January and doing that. Yeah, like that's it, fair. It is, but it is still. I think for a manager, it then makes it more impressive. Yeah. Okay. I could see that for sure. Yeah, and I mean, it was instant when he came in. Like we just never conceded any chances ever again. Yeah. Exactly. So. Uh, I mean, I, I think between Tuchel and Mancini, I don't think Guardiola you can give it to for last year. Um, I think it should be between those two, but it, it'd be interesting to see, see what happens. Now I'm being nice to you today. All right. Uh, speaking of awards, we should shout out. We don't talk about the women's game probably enough, if I'm honest, but uh, you know, we should mention it when something comes up. And forward Morgan Weaver delivered the decisive goal with just three minutes left as the Portland Thorns claimed the 2021 Women's International Champions Cup Championship, defeating French club Olympic Lyonnais 1-0 at Providence Park on Saturday night. So congratulations to NWSL for getting one over on the English League and to the Portland Thorns for being essentially the like world champion women's club soccer team. Yeah, yeah, because, because Olympic Lyonnais famously play in England. Um <laughs> You know, it's it's good to see. It, in regards to women's football, you know, again, I can't 
claim to be an expert in it you know i've experienced it a bit and watched when it's on but you know it's it's always difficult to follow more multiple uh forms of sport or those kind of bits so but i think it's a good thing to see especially after uh, the usa's dominance in international women's football for such a long time that then an american team potentially is the you you know the the women's national soccer league in the u.s retaining more of those players in order to kind of make a stint and then seeing if that kind of filters on and continues like it's that it's a good thing to to see for you to to see soccer becoming more of a thing in the u.s it's, it's accelerated rapidly over time um the women's game is is vastly ahead i think of of the men's um in terms of in terms of quality but then the men's is also catching up and there's there's more time and more energy being invested into that as well so you know, congratulations to Portland for beating uh, the English side Olympic Lyonnais um, <laughs> and, and winning the title. Um, good for them. Well, by that, what I meant by that is because of last year, because of COVID and the leagues and everything, there was a mass exodus of like the most talented players from NWSL to the English league. And only has the return process started recently. Um, so for an NWSL team, to win that title over an English team, because England was the league with all the talented players last year, uh, was nice. That's all I meant. But, you know, you are right. They were not a French team. They were not an English (laughs) team that they were playing in the final. Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, And one last story here today. Manchester City boss Pep Guardiola is among several Premier League managers urging players to get vaccinated against COVID-19. This comes after the number of positive tests in the Premier League has risen recently. Risen recently with 11 positive cases reported on last Monday alone. Uh, fellow managers Arteta, Nuno Espirito Santo, Steve Bruce, and Graham Potter have also called on players to get the vaccine. Um, it's honestly crazy to me that it's not even mandated at this point for players to play. Mm, I mean, uh, it's a difficult one to, to say whether you should be mandated, and I don't want to get into the personal politics of that, but, do, you know, I, I am double vaccinated and whatever and i think that there are certain people who do have certain reasons as to why they maybe can't get it or or whatever um people on serious medical grounds who do say that but it seems strange when i mean arsenal i didn't even realize at the time but arsenal were looking to have their first game against brentford postponed because they've had some sort of um covid outbreak again um which which makes me wonder like is it the same thing that happened last time because arteta obviously he was the first manager to have it before the season shut down it was at that point that they yeah. actually did it Ben White um, missed out today because of a, a late COVID positive result as well so hopefully that doesn't continue to spread throughout the Arsenal squad but when you've got and you mani- do wonder what it is about Arsenal specifically because they were the first ones last year with like a, an outbreak in the club like what are they doing that's different with their protocols I don't know but or mm. is it just a coincidence they might just be a complete random coincidence but it, it could be I mean it it can depend on where people live or, you know, it would make sense that clubs closer to London, their players live in more metropolitan areas, higher population density, those kind sure, of things. I mean, it's, who knows? That could just be anecdotal. But, you know, so... Arteta yeah, I mean, Chelsea out, had but- a player miss out this week also with Pulisic. Pulisic has a positive test and he says that he's vaccinated too. Um, he's mm. asymptomatic, so let's, you know, but still, like, it is getting around, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, Steve Bruce came out um, and probably the most vocally was saying that players are believing conspiracy theories and that kind of thing about COVID. And I mean, Patrick Vieira 
he didn't necessarily say specifically that they should go and get vaccinated, but he said everyone deserves to be educated so that they can make the the most informed decision at least and not look into noise and conspiracies and rubbish, you know, people saying stuff like this is all to make money and make money of the vaccine. It's like it's costing them a lot more money to fucking treat it than yeah, you know, than would just be to leave it alone or or, or whatever forms of uh, I, I can't even get into it. My brain can't even fathom to create one of these ideas because it, you know, I just don't work in that way or operate. It just seems to be yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, you been... and I are both inclined towards conspiracy theories, and we're both like, no, guys, just fucking come on, just fucking take take it on this one, like, and bust my five G phone five G phone signals through the roof at the minute. So, like, <laughs> I can I can make a phone call anywhere right now so it's only positives in that regard but yeah it i I think it's important as we see uh the state footballers football managers using their status using their voice using that to to propagate a positive idea positive image be that what we've seen in, in in the fight for equality um continuously which will be ever going and also in this kind of moment of trying to make sure people do seek out and, and get the correct information because you might not, certain people might not accept it from news outlets or, or uh, politicians or anything like that, but they might take it if a football manager is saying that they have, or, or for example, or football players are, and it's it's just about trying to have as many avenues as possible to, to, to yeah. get more people vaccinated. And you've seen that exact thing over here in the US with the NBA. Um, they have helped spread important messages to communities that have otherwise been less responsive to sort of inherent power structures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like not to get too sociological in this conversation, but mm-hmm. they, they can be a force for good and a force to potentially promote a lot of things that to people that need to hear it. Um, which by the way, if you're not vaccinated and you're just like choosing not to, but not because of like a specific medical reason from a doctor or whatever, like go fucking get vaccinated. I'm sick of this lockdown. You're sick of this lockdown. Just fucking do it. Like, come on, get, get, they're literally paying people in the U S to go get vaccinated. Just fucking do it, please. Wait, how much? It uh, depends on the state. Like, literally. Okay. They're like, come get vaccinated. We'll give you $100 or whatever. Okay, so that's less than the cost or of the it, flight. It, so I won't go get vaccinated In the case again. of a casino nearby where I live, uh, like $100 casino credit. <laughs> <laughs> if you come in and get vaccinated on site. <laughs> What uh, what an offer! What an offer! Then you can go to the buffet as well and play yeah, some slots, exactly. and away you go. All right, let's uh, let's get to the actual soccer then for this week, and we might as well start. This game just ended like an hour and a bit ago. We are recording on oh, the Sunday. Oh yeah, because... yeah, yeah. Let's start with you. All about you. All about your bloody team. Oh, big time, yeah, baby! Yeah, we're the best yeah, team yeah. in the world. Of course, we're starting with me. I mean, also, mm-hmm, I have a hurricane yeah. like knocking on my window, and I don't want to lose power in the middle of recording. So let's get the important match out of the way first. And that is Arsenal. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. So you have a hurricane outside your door and you're here. Ian Stibson. No excuse. Jesus. He's drinking wine or something. I don't know. He best wish he is in prison. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not quite you coming in like 12 hours after your daughter's born, but you know, we're here powering through. I needed I needed a chance to say that the era of Romelu Lukaku has commenced. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Arsenal 0, Chelsea 2, Arsenal 0.5. Again, no one ever scores more than 0.5 XG against us. And Chelsea 3.0. Chuck, 
Fucking Chelsea still underperforming their XG despite spending so much money on a striker. It's Tuchel out, right? Gotta be Tuchel out. That's the new Shiva blast for any uh, league fans out there is Rom's personality. I mean, yeah, what a waste of money. What's the point? Why would you identify a specific need in your club and spend the correct amount of money by offloading a load of academy players that probably weren't going to pay for you anyway? Um and yeah, just solving a problem. I mean, gee whiz. Uh, he took to it like a duck to water, didn't he? Just straight away in there. What have you got as your initiation? <laughs> Arsenal defenders. Yeah, all right. I'll take that, mate. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, this does mark the one, two, three, four, fifth club in a row that he scores on his debut. He scored for West Brom on his debut, Everton on his debut, United, Inter, and now us on the second time around. Uh, and of course, his first debut for us, he was like 12 years old and it was garbage time minutes in, you know, like two minutes at the end of a match. So <laughs> that's fair enough, I guess. Um, we said last year, we said at the preview episode even, that Chelsea's sort of fatal flaw, their Achilles heel last year was their underperformance in terms of putting chances away, in terms of XG. We joke they did slightly underperform today, but going out and getting one of the three or four best strikers in the world. It's like Lewandowski, him. Um, Holland. I mean, Oh, Holland. Yeah, obviously. Uh, like, he's on that short list. He is probably the best striker in the league now. Like, are, are we just fucking gonna win the league? We're gonna win the league. We're gonna win the league. Right? Like, um, it's, you know, there's there's a lot of signs there that we're doing it incline me that way I mean I've said before that I, I've put Chelsea as first in my predictor league um, I think it was within the realms of variance you know you've got a three point gap on City already sitting at the top of the table if even if on alphabetical order um, as you are tied on with Liverpool for games played wins goals scored goals conceded um, but it, it I think it was similar to the Palace game in terms of structure that Chelsea did what they needed to do and then backed off and just sat there and were happy to control the game, uh, control possession. Arsenal did have a few chances. Um, you know, in the first half, they, they were kind of all at sea and I was surprised that there wasn't more um, for Chelsea. I know I joked with you at, uh, to say that if Chelsea aren't winning 3-0 at half time, that it should be Tuchel out. Um, but they were they were still generating chances, and it it was interesting to watch. But you know, it, enough about what what I think or or don't think. How about how are you feeling? What are your thoughts? Try to be as measured as possible. <laughs> um, I mean, literally at halftime, I was just walking around singing to myself, "We're gonna win the league. We're gonna win the." Not even to like a tune or anything, just kind of repeating that. Um, and I. I believed that before the season started, and now we bought Romelo Lukaku to address, like, our one sort of point of weakness. And mm -hmm. I don't think, like, 11 for 11, playing in our system, like, I, I don't at all see a flaw. Um, our, our potential flaws really are in depth. I do worry that we, slightly I worry that we sold too many strikers. We sold Giroud, we sold Batshuayi, and we sold Tammy, and we only brought in Lukaku, so I guess... Timo, insofar as he plays through the middle sometimes, is going to be mm. our backup there. But we do feel kind of thin at striker, despite bringing in Lukaku. Um, if Conte goes down for any significant amount of time, we don't quite have anyone that does what he does. So again, the depth there is of slight concern. 
But like 11 for 11, I do genuinely think we're the best team in the world at this point. Um, and I don't see where people can attack us at all. Like, we're just fucking amazing. Yeah, Again, I think it's- we talk about the attack and all that, but like the run of only conceding less than 0.5 XG over and over and over and over again whether it's against the palace or a mid-table team like arsenal or one of the best teams in the world like city <laughs> like don't sleep on our defense to like be the thing that actually ends up winning us the title despite the fact that we have lukaku and havertz and mount and pulisic and Werner and ziyech and like everybody attacking and all that like uh, yeah but i think you you had the defense last year it's it was just scoring goals or or you know not you didn't score enough but scoring more basically uh, to secure positions and, and it alleviates pressure you know when when you do have that goal threat so much more and it's not just coming from one place teams can't just isolate that threat and uh, and keep attacking you you know the more pressure you give up as a defense the the more likely you are to concede um even if it is from from a worldie you know so i don't yeah and- I, I wouldn't have that worry about chelsea it was literally the upfront and i've joked about it and said to you about Timo Werner and him not being the person to be in that position for Chelsea and I think getting Lukaku in absolutely addresses every concern and like you've got a potential golden boot winner that's not a joke or not hyperbole. And he was talking about this in his introductory press conference. I've watched every single minute of Lukaku sort of content this week that you could find on the internet Um, and he said that like when I was here last time um, it was much more about my speed and getting in behind, playing through balls and running onto them and scoring that way. Like that was kind of it. we made his name mm. at West Brom, Everton, and even at United. Um, and he feels not to, you know, I don't want to tread too dangerously close to pace and power and that whole like racial thing. This was all his words. Um, but he feels that when he went to Italy, he was able to develop the tactical and technical side to his game, playing in tight sp- spaces and playing slower. Uh, that he perhaps didn't quite have as developed when he left England. And I do think he comes back to the Premier League a complete striker in every possible sense of the word. Like today, the goal he scored on his debut, uh, ghosted in, tap in from a yard out, like Mm. wide open shot. And that's because he's an XG type of striker. He knows how to find space on a cross across the goal. Um, But he also, to me, I think the thing I was even more impressed with was was his back-to-goal play and playing like a sort of one-two backboard for Havertz and for Mount and for Werner and for, like, you know, everybody just kind of playing off of him. He is so smart, and he sees everything that's going around, and he's constantly... Mm. You can tell that he's going to be a little bit of a leader because he's so much older than the other attacking guys. He was, like, already being like, pass it here. No, you play there. You kind of, like, kind of directing them a bit. Yeah. Um, unbelievable i think he can play yeah. in behind like he said like he used to i think he can also play a slower possession type game against packed boxes i don't fucking see a weakness with us other than potentially some depth i really don't and i think we're going to win the league um, yeah <laughs> full stop yeah i think that what you said about strikers is interesting i know there's quite a few center backs as well um that have moved on um and so whether there's going to be an issue there if if Tuchel is going to keep playing with three centre backs, um, you know that is that is always the only concern. But then, of course, everyone has that kind of thing. You know, you look at City last year. You know, if you lose De Bruyne for a long stretch, can you do it? Or uh, you know, if United lose Fernandez to an injury or those kind of bits, that 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 is a leveler for everyone and just kind of part and parcel with with what happens. Um, but do you do you think Tuchel carries on with this style, this formation? Because you were saying. You know, you think he was going to change it up today to to fit Lukaku in, but personally, and I'm I'm glad I'm right based on exactly what you've said. 
that I thought that this system works really well with him potentially being able to be a backboard to Mount Havertz running straight through. They're close to him. But then you yeah. also have the wing backs. You know, Jorginho and Kante sitting there holding gives the wing backs unbelievable license, as we saw today. Reese James with a goal and assist, phenomenal performance to then be the people just pinging in crosses as well. Um, and, and that gives you dual threat instantly from a great formation. But do you see him going to a four at the back or what do you kind of feel? Uh, I still think this will be our default system against 99% of teams. I think that Werner and Pulisic even uh, play in those sort of wide forward, advanced 10 kind of weird positions that Tuchel has uh, behind Lukaku sliding in just as well. That's maybe a team that you would play with a little more speed. Um, but everybody fits into that system really nicely. We have six to seven players to play at center back for three positions. We have two to three players to play at right wing back there. We have two to three left wing backs there. Like, I think it really does suit our talent. I think you end up getting the best out of Alonso in a th- back three wing back system. Um, I don't think he's good at all as a fullback, but I think he is one of the best wing backs in the world. And we have seen that. He's starting over Chile right now on form, like purely, you know, fairly, I think. Um, but I think that Tuchel, you know, it's, he's Tommy Tactics. I think that there's so many options here. We could play with a front two with like Lukaku and Werner as the fast little playing off of him. Uh, we could play a top two with Lukaku and Werner or, or Lukaku and Havertz or Havertz and Werner. Like there's so many different options. Reese James has played right center back, has played right back, has played right wing back. Uh, Chaloba can play in midfield. Like, there's so many versatile players in there that I think we could do anything, really. But I do think that the the three, four, two, one, I guess you would call it that we've been playing is going to be how we mostly play. Um, I just want to shout out, by the way, past me in like episode fifteen or sixteen of us when we first signed Jorginho and Kovacic, I said. If you look at the numbers, those three guys could be the best midfield in the world someday if things break the right way and get the right manager to find that out of them. Uh, turns out, sorry, and Lampard were not those managers, but Tommy Tactics shows up, and all of a sudden, two out of our three midfielders are in the two out of three positions for UEFA Player of the Year. And the one that missed out is Kovacic, who is fucking amazing. Like, shout, So just just shout out Tommy Tactics. I think he gets a lot of love for the, oh, the I, center backs. I, I think thought- he gets a lot of love for the front, but... You know, that midfield three really being, like, unbelievably elite is really nice. Oh, I thought you were just shouting out yourself, going to shout out yourself then, rather than Tommy Tactics, but, you know, you've done that already, so... Yeah, but a bit of both there, a bit of both there. You know, it, it any, was implied, the self-shout out. Thank you. A, any um, kind enough thoughts about Arsenal? No, they were dog shit. They were absolutely <laughs> fucking terrible. We just penned them in, and they did nothing. They just, they rolled over and just, like, you know, I mean... No, zero, zero nice things about Arsenal there. The announcers were shredding them. They were like, oh, normally when something is going this poorly, you're like, I don't know what's happening. It's all kind of collapsing in different areas and you kind of have some sympathy for the manager. But in this case, it was very obvious what was going wrong and he did nothing to address it. And they are still absolute garbage and just like, just fucking went on a rant. And this was, I think, a former (laughs) Arsenal player. Um, just went on a rant about how fucking terrible they were and how te- Arteta did a terrible job. And I still think Arteta's the head for the sack race. Um, him or Ole, probably. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, nothing nice to say about Arsenal. Do you have anything nice to say about Arsenal here? I mean, I think they did grow into the game a bit more and were at least generating some chances and threatening on the break. 
um, a bit, and you know there is a big. They had two shots in the box, my dude. They didn't generate shit. Yeah, but you're also playing like I I can't talk about Palace last week and how they did against Chelsea being good, and then also not say similar things about Arsenal. Like I want to be fair and constructive that like Chelsea are worlds worlds apart from Arsenal, so still getting into those situations and causing a bit of chaos and, and a bit of drama and, and you know potentially nicking something like I could have seen Arsenal getting an absolutely sweaty goal in that game but could have mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. at least trying something um, Arsenal fans probably won't go for that or won't be too happy and because they're just you know in some ways very blinkered I genuinely have seen a lot of weird Arsenal fans on Twitter whether it's true or not saying that they're going to change clubs to Palace and like we don't want you fuck off um <laughs> But, you know, they they start off the season with the loss against Brentford, lose against Chelsea today, um, four goals conceded, no goals scored, and then, you know, they're about to go to the Etihad. Um, and so I don't know whether Arteta can have a word and, and Pep can do his mentee a favour um, and gift him a few points, but I can't see anything there other than being carnage. Um, then, then they go to Norwich, and I mean... Yeah, Norwich have conceded a lot of goals. Um, they obviously conceded five to City. Um, but they've also been attacking and, and will fancy be properly up for it at home. Um, so I, I do worry that... I mean, no, not necessarily worried, but I think De Bo- Frank De Boer's record might go. The four games in the league with no goals and no yeah, points. Maybe. That, Arsenal that- are currently 19th unexpected points. Uh, and the worst defense by the underlying numbers so far this season. Obviously, the sample size is ridiculous <laughs> there, and I'm bringing that up as slightly a troll uh, because it's mostly noise. Um, don't read it into the actual numbers yet. Don't do that to like the 10th game of the week for those of you that are first uh, um, exploring the world of analytics. But fucking hilarious. They do, <laughs> uh, as of this moment, technically, I guess, on the underlying numbers, have the worst defense in the league. Uh, oh, dear. Um, anyway, we touched upon City there uh, playing Norwich. Obviously, after the first game, a loss, um, didn't really know what was going to happen. You know, that's how you answer it with f- as many as five goals at the Etihad. Yeah, just the, just the five. Just um, the five. Comedic comedic own goal have, to kick uh, off. We are going off of Kaylee's. Yeah, we're going off uh, Kaylee's XG numbers this week because FB Ref has not fully updated given that we're recording about an hour after the game's finished. Um, but Kaylee had this at 2.3 plus an own goal versus Norwich's 0.03. One lonely little shot dot in the corner of the box. <laughs> That's it. The sad thing is, I do think there was a game where Palace did zero last year. So I don't I think even... it was against us, wasn't it? Uh no we t- uh, so that was a point one at least he got rounded up or whatever it yeah, was okay fair enough fair only enough. one decimal place uh but I do think there was one that was zero yeah City I mean they just bundled in a few goals got the own goal Jack Grealish didn't really know much about his for his first one um, yeah chaos for Laporte's for the third and then you know that's kind of all she wrote really isn't it. Yeah, I switched off after 3-0. I switched over to your game, actually, because I was like, oh, Chuck's there. I want to see what's going on. Um, so I watched like the last half hour of Palace instead of City just demolishing Norwich. But they were fucking gorgeous to watch. It's only Norwich, so like, there's not much to read into it. Similarly, I guess we should bring up Liverpool. Uh, just putting the smackdown on Burnley. Liverpool 2.9, <laughs> Burnley 0.7 on XG. Liverpool 2, Burnley 0 on the actual score. 
Um, just both teams better than the teams they were playing and getting the yeah. results that they deserve. Like, I don't know that you can necessarily read into either of those that much. I find it really funny that you announced that game as the SmackDown when uh, Jurgen Klopp came out afterwards and said, if you want to see that kind of thing, you should go watch the wrestling in reference to Burnley's physical nature in that game. <laughs> like, Burnley do love a bit of violence. So that is a that is a fair complaint. Yeah. I mean, um, this, although this, with the rule changes this year, right? Talk to the people about the rule changes a bit. Well, this year, like especially seeing it live and being there at the game for, for Palace Brentford, and you know we spoke about it last week that the referees seem to be letting more stuff go. Is that it's it's stuff like that? It's kind of the wrestling and jostling for the ball, where last year like pen you would have said or free kick or whatever, and this year it's just kind of getting waved on. Um, example possibly. Uh, I'm just trying to, off the top of my head now, you know, Chelsea for the penalty shout for Arsenal is just like because of the nature of it. And it's a almost like a, you know, what you call in Formula One, a racing incident of just mm-hmm, two mm-hmm. guys, two guys going for the ball, colliding and tangling up and going down. Like they're not going to be as soft for the attacker on that this year. Um, yeah, I was surprised there was one where a player left out a trailing foot um, I, with the Spurs game. The Spurs Wolves game. I was very surprised that Deli Ali actually got the penalty given because I've seen stuff where if they look at it over VAR and they can see the player wasn't making an attempt to put his foot down and was just leaving it training out there to get the the foul, um, that wouldn't be given this year. So that was quite strange. But yeah, they do this every year though. They like redefine what a penalty is for five mm. games. They enforce it slightly differently, and then it just goes back to being the same thing that it always was. Yeah, but um, it, I should but say it, for the record, because Adam is probably yelling at his uh, broadcast, his episode right now. Uh, that was a pen, Adam. You're right, but it wasn't a clear and obvious error, and it wasn't given. So shut up, deal with it. I don't think it was a pen, but yeah, I saw it in the Palace game that there was a few times where literally players were just running through each other. Like we saw it with. Uh, Tarkowski's goal when he ran through Morpe for the corner, which was that was fair enough though, because all Morpe was doing was just standing there to try and block him, and he just got run over. Lukaku was doing it all day today with Arsenal, Arsenal defender. Oh yeah, I mean, he just steamrolled him for the goal. It was fucking yeah. Weird. The guy goals. like had his arms around Lukaku, was pulling backwards, and then about a half a second later was on the ground rolling. <laughs> like, yeah. That's going to happen, uh, and then and then for Palace, sometimes a couple of times in the middle of the park, you know, like Gallagher has gone to control the ball, and a, a Brentford player has just literally run through the back of him, and you're like, mm-hmm. right, okay, so he hasn't necessarily taken the ball, has gone for it, it's a bit fifty fifty, but it, most of the players are stopping even to see. So I think we're seeing that a bit more that where the referees are letting the game flow in some areas and not others, it could be a bit staccato and uh, and we see how the players adapt to it um you know we we all know Klopp likes to complain about some things but I think if you know the the situation the example I saw was that a Liverpool player was backing uh he got the ball kind of chested it down to control it and was then backing off into a Burnley player so much that the ball was then about three yards in front of him so the Burnley player yeah. just just turned and just pushed back and like for for me that you know, fair enough. If you're you're not attempting to play the ball, you're now blocking me. I'm just going to use your momentum to to get round you. Like, I don't think that's wrestling. I think that's the part of proper football, as we say, that that you can have. Like, there can be some sort of 
jostling and some sort of contact or some sort of you know what we're not just going to pander to you just because you're trying to do something like I then can't be physical with you like we want to see honest we want to see honest challenges for the ball and not just like our two players running for the ball and one bounce off and, and flies to the ground so like and it's the defender and then they get the decision just because they're the defender um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, uh lee dixon on the american commentary actually who i normally despise um had a very funny joke and very self-aware for him um he goes you know normally i'm sitting here complaining that the game's gone but with this new refereeing i think the game's back <laughs> that's fucking hilarious yeah because uh, he knows he just likes that. a leg break and tackle you know just stick him in the mud but uh, uh, him martin keown yeah all those but no, it's it's nice to see that there's, you know, enough of an evolution that it is is changing things and making the game flow more. Like it's stoppages and all that. It's just a pain in the ass, and you know the the ball's not in. We want the ball in play. We want stuff happening more. We want to see these players. If you're going to say that this is the best league in the world, like let's let's show it across the whole the whole league. Everyone getting a chance to like exhibit what they've got, not stop start. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly right. There's that famous number where 30 minutes of the average match is the ball outside of play. Like that the if you actually did stoppage time it would be 30 minutes of stoppage time. But um I don't want to like Lukaku against an Arsenal defender. I don't want to steamroll the conversation on Liverpool and City here um to talk about refereeing and and penalty rules and all that sort of stuff. No love for Liverpool putting up a solid win 2.9 xG2 scored against Burnley. Burnley who are, you know, allegedly a good team. Defensively, at least. <laughs> Allegedly, defensive. I don't think we've ever made allegations that we thought Burnley were a good team. Like, I think the fact that we have an award for someone overperforming against what should happen, uh, named specifically after them, kind of confirms that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think Liverpool did. You know, they they do what they do. Like, they're they're a good team. They they Burnley had their chances. I mean, Ashley Barnes had it in the back of the net, giving it the big one. Um, only for the offside flag to be up. Uh, I think there was a penalty shout at one point potentially for them, but and uh, McNeil had a good shot, especially early on. Like they started really bright and they were they were attacking Liverpool. Um, Liverpool had a clearance off the line, blocked shot, those kind of bits. So you know, on a different day, that that could have gone another way. Burnley have had their number before. Uh, Burnley are the ones that ended their uh, run. You know, their whatever it was, sixty-eight home game run or something like that last season, um, to get it. But yeah, I mean, six six points, two clean sheets, the same Chelsea, Liverpool. You know, they can they can be happy with where they're at. Yeah, I think that's uh, a perfectly reasonable uh, assessment. Um, speaking of games that could have gone another way, that's a good place to transition over to our Mister Stimson, or I guess this week I should say Mister Puente. Go ahead and cue the jingle. better than they ought to be. Burnley of the week. That's right, we had a Burnley of the week on Sunday, August 22. Southampton won, Manchester United won, Manchester United's title hopes being dashed in only the second week of the season. Uh, Different (laughs) models had this differently, and we can talk about why that's the case in a second, but I'm going off understat, uh, just because that's what I have in front of me, and that was 0.6 to 2.8. Three, so that is quite the Burnleying with Southampton not even getting to 1.0 and United being well over two, uh, and the result going the way that it did. 
Chuck, any thoughts on Southampton one, Manchester United one? What happened here for United? Are they done? Is it, you know, Ole out finally? What, <laughs> what, what, what do you got here? I mean, what a bring back down to earther this result is after you pump Leeds 5-1 in your opening home game and then it's concede an own goal um, and then, you know, try to batter them and, and generate all this XG and just get a draw. I mean, it's points. Um, it's not necessarily the United of last year. You know, they went one down and we were laughing a bit about it, but we know how many points they got from losing positions last year. Um but yeah, I think Southampton can, can be incredibly happy with that. Um, I know you watched the game. Um, I I was watching the... Uh, I, I picked Spurs Wolves um, to have a little look today based on my fantasy team pick and I didn't want to see Bruno Fernandes score a million points on me again, but he didn't. Brick, um, gutted FPL Twitter. Uh, so what were your kind of thoughts on how the play went? Because, you know, to me, you look at those numbers and that's that should have been a dicking. Yeah, I think actually both of those matches, the Spurs Spurs Wolves and Southampton United in that time slot, are useful conversations or could potentially, if I want to get into it, lead to semi-useful conversations about XG and how to measure it and differences there. Um, because United were much the better team. I think that is both borne out in the numbers and um, in the less advanced analytics. You know, they had 81% of the chances. They had 15 shots to eight. And they had the majority of possession as well. Um, but... The Kaylee I just looked has this as low as 1.5 for United as compared to like okay. the 2.3-ish that other ones have it. And that is because of that one Sunday league-ish goal mouth scramble where United had a save from point blank range, then hit it onto the crossbar and then had a goal line clearance by a defender like within an inch of getting goal decision systemed in. Uh, so like a, a model like Kaylee's or FB Ref if they came up tomorrow, which is based off set bombs number... Uh, would consider that as only one sort of scoring opportunity or chance being created. So they would take, I think, the best of the three XG shots. Uh, whereas understat and info goal um, and probably XG philosophy would take all three of those shots and add them towards the total. So you're going to overstate it there. But I still think United were the better team. Uh, it got pretty fucking boring towards the end there. I, I was on my phone a lot of the second half. But United <laughs> should have won that, I think. Um, but talk to me about Spurs Wolves, because that one, uh, Spurs 1, Wolves 0, Wolves 1.5 to Spurs 1.7 on XG, so a very, very close match. Mm. Um, how did you see that one going there? Yeah, again, so, you know, we say about the numbers and, and those kind of things, so we're not sure at the minute how that take it. Um, obviously, Tottenham got a penalty very early on, um, personally not sure if it should have been based on what they've told us the new rules are last year I would have said but you know it is what it is you can't you can't change that and uh, you know when you get a penalty and a goal when you go ahead that early away from home regardless of what team you are or who you're playing um you know it, it they kind of sat back quite a lot and I was I was surprised at seeing how how Tottenham played I mean they had a really solid defensive performance against City um, you know, got the one nil win there, and Tottenham were just very happy to let Wolves have the ball. I mean, Adama Traore was uh, it was everything but the end product again in this match, but he was still playing well, in some fantastic crosses. Um, he was like he was doing little tap ons. So you're like, right, well, there's there's nowhere near enough space for him to get the acceleration to beat this person when you're ten yeah. yards from the byline, and he was tapping it and making it. And it it was just unreal. Like if he 
actually performed and people got on the end of his chances today. There was one in particular from Jimenez in the second half where Jimenez's control, he was all alone, not too far from the penalty spot. Uh, and his control just took it away from him that bit much that, that he couldn't then uh, make the most of it. But yeah, it was it, it was very strange that they, they were really happy to let Wolves just keep attacking. Tottenham weren't overcommitting in, in on the counter, um, I didn't think. And of course, um, one one of their own uh, got got on the pitch and then got a yellow card for time wasting. So, you know, that was that was then kind of all she wrote with it. Yeah, I mean, the, the beefy boy was a menace in this match. Absolutely. His numbers really stood out. Um, and this is one where we can bring in the conversation slightly about uh, non-shot XG, uh, which I've brought up before. I couldn't find any good numbers on it because there's just not that many models out there. But uh, I saw Kaylee saying on Twitter that this would be one where the, the expected threat or the uh, non-shot XG would be much higher than the actual XG because basically Adama Traore was getting into spaces being in very, very dangerous situations, but then the last mm. final product of like getting the shot off or laying it across, and you said there was no one there for his taps, tap-ins and all that, like the expected threat or the non-shot XG would both have that as he created unbelievably dangerous situations, um, but because yep. traditional XG is just based off of those shots coming off, um, that will understate it in some way. Uh, although the shots weren't not there. Wolves took 25 shots here compared to Tottenham's eight. Like that is just unreal um so i don't know tottenham maybe this in the non-shot model or in the expected threat model this would be your burnley of the week uh potentially maybe. but but i mean that's it's the perfect start for tottenham absolutely perfect start two wins two clean sheets six points away you go you know that's that's exactly what you need from what with you know especially with all the Kane saga going on yeah 13 minutes off the bench for him today he's he's sort of back maybe yeah, I was. I mean, I, no, I, I, to him, I, I thought it, maybe he would have come on a bit earlier, but again, the early goal changes a lot of that. Um, I think Nuno's managed the situation perfectly. That that he's controlled what he can control, batted away what he couldn't. You know, when he's had questions at interviews about always oh, Kane here is whatever, he's like, look, I'm working with a team, I'm working with this, like. It's irrelevant, you know. He's he's got the players here, and and he's getting a bit of a tune out of them for now. You know, adapting Deli Ali's game, who came out today and said it's much more kind of defensive, kind of box to box that he than he's used to having both sides of the game rather than being kind of a number ten. And you know, you forget. I mean, how old is Deli Ali? He can't. He can't be 25, that old. Twenty five, twenty six. I would have to guess. I mean, we can Google this. Yeah, I mean, we can Google it. We could. We should maybe know it. But, like, I've, he's been around for so long now that you maybe think that he's a bit older. Yeah, he's 25. 25. So he's still, like, not even at peak. And if, if he finds this position works for him and Nuno gets that out of him, like, that would be that would be great. Tanganga, again, looked good. Sanchez was managed to hold off, you know, beefy boy as much as possible. Um, Dyer, you know, Sanchez and Dyer, centre-back pairing, two clean sheets. Like, what is happening? Dyer nearly scored as well. Lloris made a lot of saves, uh, you know, so... Two clean sheets, it. but they've conceded 3.6 XG for the record. <laughs> like, they're already overperforming by four in their defense. Yes, so, yes, but... Off to but, an early start with the Tottenham this year. If you can overperform in those situations and get it, then when you actually perform and like deserve it, that's 
that's kind of what win does you well yeah, in yeah, the yeah, table, yeah. right? That's that's ultimately, you know, so you can say that there's a few worrying signs there, but it's it's early days under under Nuno and uh, you know, it's not necessarily the first team. They're still looking to strengthen. There's the Kane thing. Uh Tongi and Dombele is putting in like transfer requests. They you know, they've got um Romero, who who's come in as a centre back who hasn't started yet, or you know, I think he played one minute last week. So there's kind of a lot going on at Tottenham, and they'll they'll be loving the fact that you know they're they're sitting at the top of the table in joint first, and Arsenal are sitting there in joint last. Yeah, that's gotta feel pretty nice. You're welcome, um, Jeff. They've made some decent signings, Spurs. I think they have a good plan for if and when Kane goes, maybe when more so. Uh, who's going to come in. They have a few names that they've been linked with. I think they'll have the money ready to go there. Um, and if he does stay, then they get to keep Harry Kane, which is obviously a short-term benefit for them. I still think they'd be insane not to sell a 28-year-old that's had so many surgeries for a record amount of money, but whatever. Um, I could see them... I still don't think they can push for fourth because I still think that's going to be Liverpool or United and there's quite a gap to those two teams. But I could see Spurs pushing up into like the Leicester sort of level of like them almost creating a second tier below the top four, but above the rest of them, just like a little sliver of a sort of region in the table. Um, Because Spurs, like you said, did get the results. Um, They do have reason to think that they could overperform for actual sort of reproducible tactical reasons um, as opposed to just like pure random variance or noise. Yeah. Uh, And I could see them on the way up. I don't love it. I don't love it, but they're still they're still Spurs, so they'll fuck it up somehow. I'm not worried. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, speaking of they'll fuck it up somehow. <laughs> Sorry, Chuck. That was the best transition I could think of. Um, talk to us about Palace. Talk to us about the game. It was 0-0, 0.6 to 0.7 on XG. Um, I was watching this one on TV, or at least the last half hour, and it did look like both teams were trying to create chances and trying to score. Um, it was a lively 0-0, I would say. How did you feel in the stadium, though, at least in terms of the soccer of it? Yeah, exactly that. It was very, very lively. Um, both sets of fans gave a really good account of themselves. I was about, you know, for my first game back, I wanted to try and see as much of the total game as possible. So sat by the halfway line, um, had a really good view of, of kind of everything going on and how we were playing. And it was, it was a really, really entertaining affair. Both teams came close. Um, and and we're and we're both really attacking it. Um, you know, point point is a point is great. Uh, I would have liked a goal, but you know what? I have to stick by what I've said, and I and I will stick by what I've said because I think it's right. I think this team needs time. Um, I think Vieira needs time to put implement everything in. You know, some key parts of the puzzle still aren't necessarily there. Um, you know, we, we got to see uh, Joachim Anderson make his full debut. Mark Gerhi starting next to him. Conor Gallagher made his full debut because he was ineligible, obviously, to play against Chelsea last week. And I mean, just the centre-back pairing was unreal. Like, they, they weren't dribbled past once. Um, they were comfortable on the ball. They were making great passes. Um, linking play, Mark Gerhi went on a couple of runs again. Joachim Anderson put in a great tackle on Mbumo that was right at that limit of like he couldn't get a red card for it, but like you're getting a yellow, but <laughs> but yeah. it was a proper like uh, you're not going to try this move again. And to be fair, Mbumo did nothing after that. Um, 
and Gallagher was was phenomenal, um, absolutely phenomenal. The way we played was a, a four three three. Kuyate moved up from centre back back to a, a defensive mid position, which had mixed results. It wasn't very comfortable on the ball. They were pressing him quite quickly, and we were losing the ball from there. But then we had Gallagher and, and MacArthur playing as aggressive, high pressing eights at box properly being box to box, and it was amazing to watch um Gallagher ah uh, Zaha slipped him in for a ball and he, his first touch was far too heavy but then just smacked it and managed to hit the post and the crossbar with the same fucking shot that one was a I could, just couldn't believe it didn't go in um that would have been a fantastic start and so if we see Gallagher and Zaha specifically get up a bit more of an understanding then that's going to be dangerous and a big threat for us. Um, it, it doesn't help that Gallagher's a lone player, so you know he's probably going to end up back at Chelsea next year. The uh, the only he'll, flips... he'll go back out on loan. It's the loan army. He'll be, maybe he'll be maybe, but there was there was frustration building uh, a bit between him and Zaha at points. I think there's just an understanding that needs to be built there. Um, but then we saw that with Zaha a bit too much yesterday, um, for my liking. Um, not probably. Live, anyway, probably the worst performance I've seen from him. Um, just kind of very static when he wanted the ball. Um, inviting, you know, Brentford w- were quick to press, very, very quick to press. And so when you're just standing there waiting and someone makes the pass to you, he was getting someone nip in front of him quite often. So he wasn't kind of coming short for the ball, wasn't going long consistently anyway. But then also... You know, if the Gallagher shot goes in, that's an assist for him. James MacArthur had an incredible shot. Um, David Raya pulled off a wonder save out of the top corner um, to miss that, to, to save that towards the end of the game. But I just feel that like the pieces are there and we're gradually building. We've got a lot of players still to come in. I mean, fuck, if you put Eze in that team, who is now saying that he's probably good, possibly going to be back this year. He's so far ahead of schedule. His recovery's been phenomenal. Like he's meant to be out till February with a ruptured Achilles. Um, Nathan Ferguson came incredibly highly rated at the right back position from West Brom. Uh, very good, very attacking, creative. He's ahead of Eze from a similar injury after a knee injury. Michael Olise is is probably going to be back after the international break. Um, Milivojevic coming in, uh, coming back from uh, obviously I believe his father passed away. And, uh, you know, again, there's still talk of signings as well. And so just just building that squad and, you know, it's it's progress. It's a point. Brentford aren't necessarily going to be mugs this year. I didn't like a lot of what they were doing was lying on the floor for ages. And like the player, the, the player being injured enough that he had to lie there still for a minute, a minute and a half or so, but not injured enough that like the medical team had to come on, you know, like that kind of crap. And it was about four or five shithouse instances of that. Probably should have had a play at Norgard. Probably should have got a second yellow card. Um, he was already on one, went in for a challenge on Zaha. They both went down. Zaha gets up to take the ball and literally Norgard wraps his arms around his leg. Yeah, I, I saw that. It was pretty funny. And it was hilarious. That would have been insane to give him a second yellow for the record. You're crazy. Like, no, it would have been. That's some palace shit coming out. Yeah, that great. would have but, been insane. But we weren't sure what was happening because I was behind that as you look at the player and, and literally just saw Zaha. Zaha was just stood there with his arms out and like pointing. And obviously we're saying, pass it. 
but didn't realize and play on, but didn't realize that literally someone was holding his foot. Um, yeah, but there yeah, was yeah. there was a few other bits there. Um, I think Pontus Janssen was kind of playing the ball a bit more than the man. Um, but we did well. You know, Ivan Tony kept quiet. Then and I personally in the stadium only really felt threat from them on set pieces. Um, Interesting. Okay. Which okay. Which considering you know you look at Chelsea last week and yeah it's a three nil but one goal from a free kick you can't really account for that and the other one from a weldy different day that could have just been a one nil a solid one nil win for Chelsea the xG kind yeah, of said similar and so if yep. if we're not giving up the chances from open play that's that's incredible progress it, it really so- is. You talk about progress. You talk about being patient, giving the team giving the team time to sort of come together. Um, all reasonable things. Uh, do you feel though that you've made enough or have enough sort of forward momentum, at least in terms of that, if not the results, going into your insanely terrible run right now? Because I'm looking at the schedule and it doesn't seem like you guys have another good or even necessarily winnable, besides luck. No offense. Um, fixture for two months. It's West Ham who were uh, within half of an expected point of Leicester last year, mm. Tottenham who were Tottenham, Liverpool, Brighton who were the third best defense, Leicester and Arsenal. Um, genuinely of those and fucking delightfully, Arsenal are the like easiest to get at and the most likely uh, for a result not, for you guys. I, I'm not enjoying we got to wait till October for that one. Yeah, October Let's 23rd. Say. Today is August 22. So that's literally two months and a day until the <laughs> Newcastle fixture. Like That's a long time to have to go relying on progress. So do you think that there's enough progress that you'll be able to sneak a result from one of those um especially maybe away you guys tend to do better away than at home uh, and the away ones there are west ham liverpool and arsenal um just talk to me how you feel about that going into the next it's, two it, months because that's it's a long not stretch. it's it's not easy it it is by no means but then we knew that all the time the difference i think with Vieira is the attitude um james MacArthur said in an interview recently that Everything they do in training, any form of competition, there is a forfeit. There is, and Vieira is really going about this winning mentality. When he when he said about targeting Brentford um, before this game, uh, following the Chelsea game, when he was asked about that, he said, "No, we like we want to win every game. It's not about having certain games that we target more or or whatever, or just rolling over or and 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 that kind of thing is is." what I am what I'm sure a lot of Palace fans want to hear after Hodgson like we've got to clear out a lot of negative mentality from the team we managed to do quite a lot of it probably through the the t- players that left on free agency to kind of start afresh it's, it's what we needed after four years of incredibly negative defensive football without being defensive well enough do I think we yeah. get a lot of you know, do I think we get a lot of points from that? No. Like I, I said before the start of the season, if we get past game week ten and we have ten points, that is a really good result. I didn't say that was my expectation or anything like that, you know. We could sure. realistically get to that point with four or five points. We could. You know, yeah. we could end yeah, up yeah, we could, could. have we could have less. However, for this year, we just need to be better than three other teams. I'm really, I'm and there's, really there's am plenty on of that. bad teams. Yeah, there's plenty, there's plenty of bad, of bad teams. Bad team. like, there's plenty of variants. You know, it's a bad run, but every team will have bad runs. You can't necessarily worry. You just have to take each game as it goes. West Ham have looked very good um, in recently. You know, they they obviously play Leicester tomorrow, so we don't know what the results going to be there. But you know, it's 
it's not unheard of to get something against them. Tottenham could have an off day, you know, if we're saying that they're, they're, they're coming close and just getting one nils, you know, who knows? And that's after international break. We don't know who's coming back, who's going to be affected by uh, South American fixtures, players traveling to red listed countries, how that's going to affect. Then obviously, you know, Brighton is a huge game for us. It's at home. So I fancy us a bit more than that. And then so Leicester, we've had a mixed history of. We've got Arsenal, we've got Newcastle. So, you know, I, uh, as long as, for me, I can't, I can't account for any club's Twitter, any whoever, whatever you say, because there's people out there saying like ridiculous shit already, like Vieira should be gone. This is like insane, whether it's just people doing it for takes or retweets or fucking whatever who knows people saying it's like the worst they've seen like it's not it's really not this is so much better and it's you can't <laughs> i've you seen can, worse and i'm not even a palace fan like i've been not, here enough like it's not fifa it's not and i will say this to any about any team that's in transition any team like arsenal or or palace or southampton in a way they had or villa or newcastle or like you can't just plug and play like it does not work like that life does not work like that sport does not work like that you can't have go right i'm going to put in a cheat code and then i'm going to buy a striker and this and that and blah 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 and then my team of seven it doesn't matter about team chemistry and all that and i'll just put them in because i'll be able to play like it takes time and the fact that i you know our center-back pairing looked like one of the coolest i've ever seen on the ball that breeds confidence then you add the parts around that you know joel ward arguably at right back is our third best right back and he was playing and did really well a left back Tyrick Mitchell hasn't gotten used to attacking and overlapping as much as say a Van Arnholt would and so you know there's there's so many different pieces of the puzzle to go in that you know I, I am still positive I, I really am I think I think it, it will come good definitely and I, I don't think I don't think we go down this year um, if we do we do that's life that's football but you know I'm happy right now. Cool. All right. Um, that should do it for the football then. Uh, obviously, there's one game that hasn't gone, and there's a few games that I just we're not going to talk about. Um, we should wrap things up for this week uh, with the Predictor League and one listener question that we are going to take because it is from the good doctor and my lovely wife. Um, oh, right. So, so we will be taking that question. I can see her sharpening her knives, sharpening her knives behind you, mate. Just uh, saying. That's correct. You yeah. Bet- so we're we're, we're going to answer that one. It's actually a pretty good one, anyway. Um, but yeah, let's check in on the Predictor League, Mister Mister Chuck Bailey. What's uh, yeah. what's going on there? So we have a Predictor League, which is where you can send in your predictions of where you think all twenty Premier League clubs will finish. We're up to thirty four entrants now. Just another sixteen, and the prize will be one hundred pounds, winging its way to you. Entry is completely free. DM us, send us private messages, email us, milesoffsidepod at gmail.com, where you think all 20 teams will finish. You've still got a bit of time, nine days before once the transfer window shuts, entry shut. At the minute, it's becoming a big family affair. We've got wives and girlfriends. We've got kids. We've got like four people, five people's kids that have entered as well. Some of their predictions are insane. Some of them have Palace winning the league. I mean, and that's not even my child. Not even my child. Um, so get in touch with us. Enter. Let's go. Woo! Nice. Sounds good. Um, then I guess let's uh, let's wrap it up there. At least let's take it to the uh, one listener question that we have today. This is coming from the good Dr. Emily. 
uh, and she asks, in your opinion, what is the best soccer film of all time? Um, Chuck, I'll, uh, I'll let you take this one first. I mean, what do you think? He... What's, your, what's your favorite soccer film or the best one? I mean, it's obviously uh, Stephen Chow's Shaolin Soccer. Yes. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page here. Wait, is that your answer? Absolutely. Yes, of course. Ah, yeah. Where the dude does like the flying kick and the ball catches fire. And I just like, fucking love that movie. Why do you want that? Like, I don't care about uh, whatever the Pele one with Sylvester Stallone playing the goalkeeper and where... Victory, I think is the name. Escape, Escape to Victory, that's it. Where um, Sylve- yeah. Sylvester Stallone didn't know enough about football that he was told he'd be the goalkeeper and also said he wanted to score the winning goal. Uh, we're serious. Doesn't work like that, mate. Um, you know, there's there's some. I mean, like- it, it could be if you're Ederson. In in fairness, maybe he just he, he was like, uh, I'm a sweeper keeper. I'm gonna get up there. That that wasn't a thing then. Um, but you know, I don't think <laughs> you know, Meme Machine. The UK version of Meme Machine is quite funny. Um, but yeah, Shaolin Soccer just for the chaos, the the fun, the acrobatics the the weirdness the comedy i think stephen chow's phenomenal anyway like kung fu hustle is an incredible film um Mm -hmm, so much mm -hmm. fun to just to just whack that bad boy on um and so yeah i'm saying shaolin soccer and you're saying shaolin soccer so this segment got a lot quicker than i thought uh just to keep things interesting i guess so that i don't give the exact same answer even though that was gonna be mine and we're on the same page Uh, i will say shout out to um and I don't mean this sarcastically. I'm sure some people will think that I mean this sarcastically. But the goal movies, um, and especially goal two, <laughs> uh, Santi, you know, getting his dream move from Newcastle to Real Madrid, kind of losing his way a little bit in the glitz and glamour of, the, of being a professional footballer, all that sort of stuff. If you are an American and you've never seen the movies and you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, look up the goal movies, G-O-L. Um, there's a third one that you cannot find in the U.S. I've tried. Uh, I think it was like straight to DVD in the UK or something like that. Um, but it tells the story of this uh, Latin American player who like makes his gets his big break in Newcastle and then ends up at Real Madrid eventually and all this sort of stuff. But I do really genuinely like the goal movies you know, where you're at on those track. I've actually never seen them. Oh, no, you got to watch them. So I might check them out. I've seen Spoiler like alert, he ends up at Real Madrid. Oh, I've seen like memes and gifs and stuff like that of it. And I've heard it referenced, but just I don't know why. I don't know. It's just it's just been a bit of a gap because I was struggling to think of many football films. Like when you say, yeah, that, I mean, you got your bandit, like Beckham, you got your fever pitch. Yeah, like football films that aren't just based on football hooliganism, you know, because there's a lot of them. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've never seen Bend It Like Beckham. I mean, Bend It Like Beckham, does it, doesn't it have a Shaolin soccer esque moment where it follows the ball to the keeper and like the ball's going all over the place and the camera's behind it? Um, and all they've done is like. I've seen like a behind the scenes thing of someone filming something like that. And it's literally the camera attached to a broom arm with a drill on the bottom of the broom arm with the ball stuck on a drill bit and just spinning as they follow it with the camera. It's quite fucking clever. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm sure there was a bit Um, like that. I can't say I remember that, but I haven't seen Bennett like Beckham in many, many, many years, like 15 plus or whatever. I don't know how old the movie actually is, but. Oh, jeez. I don't know. Uh, watch the goal movies, dude. What are you doing? Like, get Log off right now. Fuck this podcast. Go watch the goal movies. Oh, okay. Should we finish this podcast first? Or Yeah, I guess. Let's wrap it up. Uh, we got fixtures for next week. We'll do right? fixtures. We'll do fixtures. Um, sorry, Arsenal fans. We kick off the week 
Saturday, 28th of August, 12.30. Man City at home to Arsenal. I fear for ye again. Um, we then have Aston Villa versus Brentford. Brighton versus Everton. Newcastle, Southampton. Norwich, Leicester. And West Ham versus Crystal Palace in that three o'clock slot. Um, big game late on the Saturday Liverpool at home to Chelsea. Uh, it's kind. Of, it's our first top of the table clash. The kind of teams that that we think can go close to winning. Um, what are your thoughts right now? Like genuine, not overhyped. I want to hear. No, I'm telling you, this is not like me over emotion or anything. I genuinely, really not overhyped. Think we are, especially after getting Lukaku, the best team in the world. And I'm not afraid of anybody. I'm not afraid of Liverpool. They might beat us. I mean, they're an amazing team, obviously. I'm not like saying that they're not. Um, especially if maybe Salah can start passing to Mane and or vice versa. They really should. <laughs> imagine, they really should. imagine how good they'd be. Um, but no, I'm not afraid of them. Like at all. Score prediction. Score score prediction? Uh two zero to us. 0. 0.4 on uh two point one to XG. Boom. There we go then. Okay, well, we'll check Job on that. Done. What next do you think? Week. Am I being crazy? Am I wrong here? No, I don't. I don't think you are being crazy. But I, I just think that there's enough in the realms of variance of, of you know, two great teams going up against each other. Um, you know, it's, it's a big battle in the midfield. It's Lukaku against Van Dijk. It's you know, yeah, that's going to be tasty. That's going to be good. That's going to be good. You know, seeing Salah, uh, Salah, probably Salah, Jota, Mane going up against the Chelsea three. You know, do we still see wing backs that attack so uh, aggressively? Who knows? Like, it's I'm really looking forward to watching that one. I'm I'm very glad that they. I mean, they obviously were going to have that one on TV here, but you know, I'm very glad that that is available for us. Um, then on the flip side of that, on Sunday, it's Burnley Leeds. So that'll be a thing. Um, we then have <laughs> Spurs Watford at the same time and round off the week with Wolves against Man United. Um, that could be an interesting one as well, especially based on how Wolves played today. Man United played today. You know, they can be got at without, you know, producing much at times that maybe we didn't predict they would. So that kind of uh, wraps it up for this week thank you very much for listening um unfortunately i can't perfectly time an outro this week because we don't have the music to go over it so um oscar i'd just like you to you know any any closing thoughts any whimsy any merriment mirth uh go watch suicide squad if you haven't yet it was really really good one of the best superhero movies the suicide squad not suicide squad yes yes we we accept no responsibility if you watch the wrong one um <laughs> we we will yeah. not give you that time back uh finally thank you to our producer patreons mr johnny worthington and mr nate whittam join us at patreon.com forward slash miles offside pod there's tons of extra content fpl pods slack stats all that goodness um shout out to all of you thank you very very much for listening and goodbye <laughs>